Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 51 of Learning About the Lord. This is Nikki, and we will be reading from Maria Valtorta's Poem of the Man God, Volume 1. Today, Jesus is with Simon Zelot, John, and Judas Iscariot, and they are meeting up with some of the other shepherds who had gone on to become disciples of John the Baptist. Peace be with you, says Jesus, raising his arms as if he were embracing them. And then he specifies, Peace to you, Simeon, John, and Matthias, faithful to me and faithful to John the prophet. Peace to you, Joseph. And he kisses him on his cheeks. The other three are now on their knees. Come, my friends, says Jesus, under these trees on the exposed river bed, and let us talk. Jesus smiles and looks at them intently, one by one. Let me become familiar with your faces. Your souls are already known to me, souls that seek and love what is good, contrary to all worldly yearnings. Isaac, Elias, and Levi send you their regards, and there are greetings from my mother. Have you any news of the Baptist? The men, so far gagged by embarrassment, take heart. They find words at last. The Baptist is still in jail. Our hearts tremble for him, because he is in the hands of a cruel man who is dominated by an infernal creature and is surrounded by a corrupted court. We love him. You know that we love him and that he deserves our love. After you left Bethlehem, we were persecuted by men, but we were distressed and disheartened because we had lost you rather than by their hatred, and we were like trees uprooted by the wind. Then, after years of suffering, like a man who was closed in a prison, we felt the warmth of the sun. We felt that the Baptist was the man of God foreseen by the prophets to prepare the way to his Christ, and we went to him. We said, If the Baptist precedes him, if we go to the Baptist, we will find him, meaning Christ. Because, my Lord, it was you we were looking for. I know, says Jesus, and you found me, and now I am with you. And they continue, Joseph told us that you came to the Baptist, but we were not there that day. Perhaps he had sent us somewhere. We served him in spiritual matters when he asked us with so much love, and we listened to him with love, although he was so severe, because he was not you, the Word, but he always spoke words of God. I know, says the Lord, and do you know this man? And he points to John, John the Evangelist. And they say, We saw him with the other Galileans in the crowds which were most faithful to the Baptist. And if we are not mistaken, you are the one whose name is John, and of whom John the Baptist used to say to us, his closest disciples, Here I am the first, he is the last, and then he will be the first, and I the last. But we never understood what he meant. Jesus turns around to his left side where John is, and he draws him against his heart, and with a most kind smile he explains. John the Baptist meant that he was the first to say, Here is the Lamb of God, and that John here will be the last of the friends of the Son of Man 
to speak of the Lamb to the crowds. But that in the hearts of the Lamb, John is the first, because he is dearer than any other man to the Lamb. That is what he meant. But when you see the Baptist, you will see him again, and you will serve him again until the predetermined hour. Tell him that he is not the last in Christ's heart, not so much because of the blood that we share, as on account of his holiness. He is loved as much as John. And remember that. If the saint in his humility proclaims himself last, the word of God proclaims him equal to the disciple who is dearest to me. Tell him that I love this disciple because he has the same name and because I find in him the signs of the Baptist who prepares the souls for Christ. We will tell him, they say, but will we see him again? Yes, you will, says Jesus. Yes, they say, Herod dare not kill him for fear of the people, and at his court, which is full of greed and corruption, it would be easy to free him if we had a lot of money. But although there is quite a lot, because friends have given a lot, there is still a lot missing, and we are afraid we will not be in time, and he may be killed. And Jesus asks, How much do you think you need for the ransom? And they answer, Not for his ransom, Lord. He is hated too much by Herodias, and she has too much control of Herod to think of the possibility of a ransom. But we have found those who would let the Baptist out for a large sum of money. Perhaps also Herod would prefer that, because he is afraid, not for any other reason. He is afraid of the people and afraid of his wife. In that way he could please the people, and his wife could not accuse him of disappointing her. Now we're going to go through a section I'm going to summarize. It is about these beautiful necklaces and bracelets that Aglaia has given the Lord and has asked him to sell them and use the money for charity in hopes that those who are benefiting by the money from her jewels will pray for her soul. If you remember, Aglaia was the woman that he spoke to in the house that used to be his uncle Zacharias's, that she was a kept woman, uh, a, a Roman woman, and a woman who was a prostitute and whom the populace uh, disrespected and disliked very much. But Aglaia had the seed planted in her heart by the words that the Lord spoke to her that day. And it the seed grew and her soul began to bloom and she wanted to repent her sins and make amends and become a good and holy person. So she began by divesting herself of her jewels and she donated them to the Lord. So the Lord asks Judas to go and sell Aglaia's jewels so that they can make enough money to give to the shepherds who are disciples of John the Baptist still to help set him free from prison. So Jesus asks Judas Iscariot to take the jewels and to sell them, and he sends John with him. And he says to the disciples, I would like to see you happy. And they say, You will always make us happy, Master. May God bless you for it. And then they say, Is that man a friend of yours? And they're referring to Judas Iscariot. And the Lord says, Yes, he is. Do you think he should not be? The shepherd John lowers his head and keeps silent, 
Simon the disciple speaks, Only who is good can see. I am not good, and therefore I do not see what bounty sees. I see the exterior. Who is good penetrates also into the interior. You, John, see as I do, but the Master is good, and he sees... And the Lord says, What do you see in Judas, Simon Selot? I want you to tell me. And Simon Selot says, Well, when I look at him, I think of certain mysterious places which look like dens of wild beasts and malarial ponds. Only a huge tangle can be seen, and one is frightened. Yes, I know, says the Lord. There are many flaws in the heart of that man. But he has some good points. You saw that yourself in Bethlehem and in Carioth, and his good points, which are humanly good, are to be raised to a spiritual goodness. Judas Iscariot will then be as you would like him to be. And Simon Zelot says, I endeavor to love him for your sake, Lord, but he breaks all my efforts as if they were water canes. But, Master, there is only one law for me, to do what you want. I will therefore love Judas Iscariot, although something within me shouts against him and towards myself. What? Simon Zelot asks the Lord, and then he answers, I do not know exactly what it is, something that resembles the cry of the night watchman, and says to me, Do not sleep, watch. I do not know that something has no name, but it is here, in me, against him. And the Lord says, Forget about it, Simon Zelot, do not trouble to give it a definition. It is better not to know certain truths, and you might be mistaken. Leave it to your master. Give me your love, and you can be sure that it makes me happy. So you see, Simon Zelot has a deep intuition. When he sees Judas, he understands that there is an evil, and he obeys the Lord by saying, Yes, I will love him, because you ask me to, and I will try to help him. But inside of him, he has a very deep, and spiritual instinct that tells him that Judas is evil. When Judas Iscariot returns with John after the sale of the jewelry from Aglaia, he very proudly boasts to the Lord about how he managed to get a lot of money for it. He used lies, he was conniving, he was pushing, he was dishonest, disrespectful, and John was mortified, but Judas did what he did and boasted of it greatly to the Lord. This non-virtuous behavior troubles Jesus greatly, but he takes all of the money and he gives it to the disciples of John the Baptist and sends them on their way to go and help free the Baptist. And then he continues on and he he is in a country that is very fertile. There are magnificent orchards and vineyards with huge bunches of grapes beginning to turn gold. Jesus is sitting in an orchard and is eating some fruit offered to him by a farmer. He has just finished speaking because the man says to him, It is a pleasure for me, Master, to quench your thirst. Your disciple had spoken to us of your wisdom. Nevertheless, we were astonished when we listened to you. Close as we are to the holy city, we often go there to sell our fruits and vegetables, 
and we then go up to the temple and listen to the rabbis, but they do not speak as you do. We used to come away saying, Well, if that is so, who will be saved? But with you, it is entirely different. Oh, we seem to be so light-hearted. Although adults, we feel like children in our hearts. I, I am a rough man, and I am not good at making myself understood. But I am sure that you understand me. Yes, says Jesus, I do. You mean that, although you have an adult's knowledge and maturity, after listening to the word of God, you feel simplicity, faith, and purity revive in your heart, as if you were a child once again, without fault or malice, but with so much faith as when you were taken to the temple for the first time by your mother, or you prayed on her knees. That is what you mean. Yes, says the farmer, that, just that. You are fortunate because you are always with them, he then says to John, Simon Zelot, and Judas Iscariot. He then says, And I am honored, because you are my guest for one night. I am not afraid of any misfortune in my house, because you have blessed it. And Jesus replies, A blessing is efficacious and lasting if the soul of men are faithful to the law of God and to my doctrine. Otherwise, its grace-giving ceases, and it is only fair, because if it is true that God grants sunshine and fresh air to the good men and to the bad, that they may live, and that they may become better if they are good, and that they may be converted if they are bad, it is also just that the Father's protection should turn elsewhere as a punishment for the wicked to remind them of God by means of some pain. And the farmer asks, Is pain not always evil? No, my friend, says the Lord. It is evil from a human point of view, but from a supernatural one it is good. It increases the merits of just people who accept it without despairing or rebelling, and they offer their pain, as they offer themselves with resignation, as a sacrifice to expiate their own imperfections and the faults of the world and it is a redemption for those who are not good. So Jesus is saying that if you use your pain, you accept it, you are resigned to it, and you offer it to God as a sacrifice, it helps to expiate your own imperfections and the imperfections of others, even those who are in purgatory, and helps them to move on to heaven. And the farmer says, It is so difficult to suffer. I know that man finds it difficult, says Jesus. And knowing that he would find it so difficult, the father had not given his children any sorrow. It came with sin. But how long does sorrow last on the earth? In the life of a man, a short time. It is always short, even if it lasts a whole lifetime. Now I say, is it not better to suffer for a short time rather than forever? Is it not better to suffer here than in purgatory? Consider that time there is multiplied a thousand times to one. Oh, I solemnly tell you, you ought not to curse pain, but bless it, and you should call it grace and mercy. Now Jesus sends John on an errand, and Judas asks if he can also leave for several days. And away they go. Only Simon Zelot is left with the Lord. It is evening, and the country becomes silent. Jesus walks along the orchard. He wants to be alone. 
He goes as far as a thicket of huge pomegranate trees and low bushes. He kneels down. He prays. And then he bends down with his face on the ground, on the grass, and he weeps. I realize that he is crying because of his deep, interrupted sighs, a disheartened crying, without sobs, but so sad. Some time passes thus. It is now twilight. Simon Zelot has come to find the Lord, and he sees him thus. Master, he says, are you crying? Why? May I come near you? Simon Zelot's expression is one of astonishment and sorrow. Why are you sad, master? asks Simon Zelot. I am not John, and I am not capable of giving you what John gives you, but I would like to give you every possible comfort, and I am only sorry that I am not able to do so. Tell me, have I displeased you these last few days to the extent that it depresses you to stay with me? No, my good friend, says the Lord. You have never displeased me since the first moment I saw you, and I think you will never cause me to shed tears. Well then, master, asks Simon Zelot, I am not worthy of your confidence, but on account of my age I could be your father, and you know how anxious I have always been to have children. Allow me to caress you as if you were my son, and let me be a father and mother to you in this hour of pain. It is your mother that you are in need of to forget so many things. Oh, yes, says the Lord, it is my mother. Well, says Simon Zelot, while waiting to have comfort in her, grant your servant the joy of consoling you. You are crying, Master, because someone has displeased you. For several days your face has been like the sun, darkened by clouds. I have been watching you. Your goodness hides the wound, that we may not hate him who wounds you. But the wound is a painful and abhorrent one. But tell me, my lord, why do you not remove the source of your pain? So Simon Zelot knows that Judas Iscariot causes Jesus a tremendous amount of pain, and he's wondering, why don't you remove him from your orbit? Make him leave so you don't suffer any more. And Jesus answers, because it would be useless from a human point of view, and it would not be charitable. Ah, says Simon Zelot, you are aware that I am speaking of Judas Iscariot. It is because of him that you are suffering. How can you, the truth, tolerate that liar? He lies shamelessly. He is more deceitful than a fox and more closed than a rock. He has now gone away. What for? How many friends has he got? I am sorry to leave you, but I would like to follow him and see. Oh, my Jesus, that man, send him away, my Lord. And Jesus says, It is useless. What is to be shall be. What do you mean? asks Simon Zelot. Nothing special, says the Lord. Simon says, You allowed him to go with pleasure because you were disgusted with his behavior at Jericho. It is true, Simon Zelot. I tell you once again, what is to be shall be, and Judas is part of this future. He is to be there too. So the Lord is referring to Judas's betrayal of him in the future. Now Jesus would have been caught and crucified with or without Judas. But Judas being there 
functioned as someone who caused betrayal to the Lord. And that is the ultimate insult to anyone who has loved a friend, a neighbor, a relative, and been betrayed by them. You will understand how deeply, deeply painful betrayal is. And betrayal was another one of the sins that the world creates, that the world causes, that Jesus had to bear in order to expiate for all of our sins. So some people would say, well, we needed Judas, otherwise how would Jesus have been caught and crucified? That's not true. Jesus would have been caught no matter what. What Judas was there for was to give the ultimate pain to the Lord in form of betrayal. And also, Judas was there all the years before that as a lesson, and Jesus will explain why. Simon Zelot says, But John told me that Simon Peter is very frank and full of ardor. Will he suffer, Judas? And the Lord says, He must stand him. Also, Peter is destined for a part. So Peter is destined to become the head of the church. The Lord says, And Judas is the canvas on which he must weave his part. Or, if you prefer so, Judas is the school where Peter will learn more than with anyone else. Also, idiots are capable of being good with John and understanding souls like John's. But it is difficult to be good with people like Judas Iscariot and to understand souls like his and to be a doctor and priest for them. Judas Iscariot is your living teaching. So the Lord is showing Simon Zelot that souls like Judas's are common in the world and that as the apostles of the Lord, as disciples, as followers, we must learn to bear them, to convert them, to help them, to love them. They cause the most pain in our hearts, but they so need our prayers and our teaching. And they teach us to be patient, perseverant, and ambitious to help and not ever give up because of the difficulty of the situation. So Simon Zelot answers, Ours, Lord, Judas, is our living teaching? And the Lord says, Yes, yours. The Master will not be on the earth forever. He will leave after eating the hardest bread and drinking the sourest wine. But you will stay to continue me. And you must know, because the world does not end with the Master. It will last longer until the final return of Christ and the final judgment of man. And I solemnly tell you that for every John, Peter, Simon, James, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, there are at least seven Judas Iscariots and many, many more. Simon is thoughtful and silent. He then says, The shepherds are good. Judas Iscariot scorns them, but I love them and I love them and praise them, says the Lord. They are simple souls, such as you like, says Simon Zelot. And then he asks the Lord, When will you come to see my friend Lazarus? Now Lazarus, of course we all know that Lazarus is the soul that Jesus rises from the dead. 
but we don't know a lot about him from the Bible. But here, with Maria Valtorta, we learn just who Lazarus is, a very wealthy man, a very good man, a very charitable man, and a good friend of Simon Zelot's. And the Lord says, Tomorrow, Simon, and I will come with pleasure, because we are by ourselves, just you and I. I believe that Lazarus is a learned and experienced man like you. And Simon Zelot says, And he suffers a lot in his body and even more in his heart. Master, I would like to ask you a favor. If Lazarus does not speak to you of his grief, please do not ask him any question about his family. I will not, says the Lord. I am on the side of those who suffer, but I do not force anybody's confidence. Tears deserve respect. And Simon Zelot says, And I did not respect them, but I felt so sorry for you, Lord. And Jesus answers, You are my friend, and you have already given a name to my sorrow. Tomorrow at dawn we go to Bethany. So Lazarus has physical pain because he is ailing in his legs. His legs are diseased. But he also has pain of the heart and of the soul because of his sister. He has two sisters, Martha, who is virtuous and pure, and his other sister is Mary Magdalene, a famous prostitute and the great shame of Lazarus's home and family. Simon Zelot asks the Lord, please do not ask him about his family if he does not bring it up himself. And Jesus says, I will respect that. Now Jesus speaks to us directly, and he says, How many times have I cried with my face on the ground because of man, and you would like to suffer less than I did? Also amongst you, good people are in the proportion that existed between good people and Judas Iscariot, and the better one is, the more one suffers. But also for you it is necessary to learn by studying Judas Iscariot, and I say that particularly for those who are responsible for the spiritual care of souls. Each of you priests is a Peter, and you have to forgive and retain. But how much power of observation you must have, how much union with God, what great pains you must take, and how many comparisons with the method of the Master you must make in order to be a priest as it is your duty to be. Some people may think that what I am saying is useless, human, impossible. They are the usual people who deny the human phases of Jesus' life, and they make of me a being so remote from human life as to be only a divine being. What happens then to the most holy humanity, to the sacrifice of the second person in becoming flesh? Oh! I was truly a man amongst men. I was the man, and that is why I suffered in seeing the traitor and ungrateful people. That is why I rejoiced on account of those who loved me or were converted to me. That is why I shuddered and cried before Judas Iscariot's spiritual corpse. I shuddered and cried before my dead friend. And here the Lord is referring to Lazarus. But I knew that I would call him back to life, and I rejoiced seeing his soul already in limbo. Here 
I had the demon in front of me. He's talking about Judas Iscariot, and I will say no more. Follow me. Blessed are those who listen to the word of God and strive to do what it says. Blessed are those who want to know me in order to love me. In them and to them I shall be a blessing. I thank you all so very much for joining me for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for trying. Thank you for praying. I ask the Lord to bless you. Go with God.